Hello and welcome back to Practicing English. And today I'm going to be reading another chapter from The Tudor Conspiracy by M.A. Bilborough. And today I'm reading chapter 12. Hello and welcome to Practicing English. My name is Mike Bilbrough and these are podcasts for students of English at B1 or B2 levels or for those students who just want to improve their general English. For transcripts of these podcasts, please go to practicingenglish.com. If you remember last time, Isabel hid under the bed when the very dangerous woman, Jane, walked into the room. So I'm continuing then with the story. And before I do, I'll give you five words for you to listen out for. And what you need to do is to identify the context they are used in. So, for example, uh, who is doing the action, or where does it happen, or when does it happen? And the five words are, first of all, swiftly. So, that's the adjective S-W-I-F-T, swift, the adverb swiftly, which means quickly, to do something very fast, or at speed. Number two, to threaten. So that's T-H-R-E-A-T-E-N. And to threaten is to say you will cause trouble if you do not get what you want. To threaten. And the third word is affair. A-F-F-A-I-R. And in this context of the book, it's an event that people are talking about. An affair. And number four is an alibi. An alibi is evidence that proves that a person was in another place at the time of a crime, so could not have committed that crime. An alibi. And the last one, number five, is an expression, and it is to get cold feet. To get cold feet. And this is an idiomatic expression, and what it means is that before some event, you feel frightened, and you feel you do not want to do something because you are frightened to do it. Before an exam, for example, when you don't want to do the exam because you think you're going to do it very badly and you get cold feet. Okay, so let's get on with the story then. So here we go. The Tudor Conspiracy by M.A. Bilbrough This recording is copyright. Chapter 12. 
the plan. From under the bed, Isabel could see quite clearly that the French windows were still open. She decided to wait this time for a sound that would tell her Jane had left the guest house. Sure enough, a few minutes later, through the open windows, Isabel detected the sound of a car engine being started and the noise of car wheels on the gravel drive. She had gone. When Isabel stood up, the first thing she noticed was that the quarto was no longer in the room, and neither was the Anglia Nostra booklet. She crossed the room swiftly and went out onto the balcony. In a very short time, Isabel was back in her room. She sat down on the sofa for a few minutes. The relief increased when she heard a knock at the door and Philip's voice. Are you in there, Isabel? Isabel raced to the door and opened it. She almost hugged Philip, but stopped and was content with grasping his arm. Nevertheless, the gesture surprised Philip. Are you all right? he said. I was looking for you. I knocked on your door about five minutes ago. There was no reply. I went downstairs to look for you. Isabel's eyes widened. Did she see you? she asked. Who? That Jane woman, said Isabel. What? Why should she? A pause. Isabel, don't worry about her. That's over. We're safe here for now. Then he went on. Look, I, I, I've been thinking. I think we should go to the police. We... She was here, interrupted Isabel. She was here? She's just left, Philip, said Isabel. You are lucky she didn't see you. Come in. Close the door. She walked back to the sofa and sat down. Philip followed and sat down next to her. His face was serious. Isabel's face, however, was full of triumph, and ideas began to form in her head. She's staying in the room next to mine, number 23. I left my door open, and I saw her leave. So I crossed over onto her balcony. She'd left the balcony window open. I got into her bedroom. You did what? Philip's mouth opened in total horror. I climbed across from my balcony to hers, said Isabel. There's a tree thing between... You did that? I did, said Isabel. You're crazy. She could have... She could have come back, said Philip. She did come back, said Isabel, nodding and now smiling to see the expression on Philip's face. She did? She came back while you were in the room? Philip lifted his hand to his head, anticipating terrible events. Yes, but I hid under her bed, said Isabel, just in time. You could have got yourself killed, said Philip. That woman is a lunatic. So what happened next? Wait a minute. 
said Isabel, raising her hands in a stopping action. Not so fast. Before she came back, I found the Henry the Eighth Quarto in her room. And when I picked it up, there was a booklet inside. It had a strange title, Anglia Nostra. Then there was something about the sons and daughters of Mary Tudor. Inside I saw a picture of the Spanish Armada. The fleet of ships was being destroyed by a storm. And the storm was like, was like a, a devil. There was silence for a while. Isabel saw how Philip's face changed from a look of shock to one of comprehension. He nodded his head. Is that all? Philip then said. No, replied Isabel. There's more. I didn't see any more of the booklet. She came back. But while I was under the bed, she telephoned somebody. Somebody she called Master. She called herself Cousin. I think this Master person probably said he or she had seen the news and heard about the shooting. The Master called her Unstable. She said you and I were somehow working with David Buddle and you were trying to hide the quarto and that it was genuine. It had the Elizabeth I play inside. Philip interrupted. Perhaps she found something that David missed. Isabel shook her head. I don't think so. You see, before she telephoned this person, she was talking to herself. I could hear her turning the pages of the quarto and saying, Where is it? She was obviously lying to that master person. Anyway, back to the phone conversation. She then said she'd force me to hand over the quarto by threatening me with the gun, I suppose. And then we had to run away. She was sure nobody had seen her shoot that man. Everybody thought we were responsible. Oh, that man she shot was a security guard, by the way. I wonder if he's okay. We should try to find out. You're right, said Philip. But go on. What else did you find out? Right, Isabel continued, and a look of intrigue crossed her face. The master is going to meet her. He is? Yes, said Isabel. Coming from where? I've no idea, answered Isabel. And? And they're going to meet, said Isabel. Where? At Shakespeare's birthplace. When? At a quarter to six, said Isabel. We must go to the police, said Philip, and tell them right away. I don't think that's a good idea, said Isabel. Why? asked Philip. Because nobody knows that that woman was mixed up in this affair, said Isabel. Philip listened. Isabel was getting excited, but seemed to be very sure of what she was saying. They're looking for a young man and a young woman. They're looking for us. The police might not believe our story, 
Okay, we could say we know who this woman is and that she works in the Bodleian Library, but who has seen her in Stratford? David Buddle didn't. She might have a good alibo. An alibo? repeated Philip. Exactly, said Isabel, with a knowing look on her face. An alibo. A pause. Oh, you mean an alibi, said Philip at last. Isabel looked annoyed. You English are all the same, just one letter wrong and you pretend not to understand. Philip quickly returned to the subject at hand. Wait, the guest house owner, uh, Julie, he said. She must have seen Jane. She could identify her to the police. She could say she had been here. Well, perhaps, said Isabel. She did not want to say she did not trust Julie. Philip would think she was paranoid. But when I saw Jane in the guest house, she was wearing a headscarf and dark glasses. Julie might find it difficult to identify her. In fact, she was wearing dark glasses in the dirty duck too. The police might even say I was mistaken. But, but she shot at us, and she was the one who destroyed the Shakespeare Memorial said Philip. That is what you say, replied Isabel. Well, said Philip, her name, she must have signed the guest book. She did, nodded Isabel with a sad smile, just as you did with a false name. Mary Tudor. In fact, when I saw it, it made me suspect that she was here. Then I thought, there are a lot of Tudor history enthusiasts visiting Stratford. It didn't have to be her. But now that name ties in with the evidence I discovered in her room. Philip stood up and paced the room a couple of times. Isabel sat calmly on the sofa and watched him. She was in no hurry and felt quite certain what Philip would say next. Then he stopped pacing and stood in front of Isabel, looking sure of himself. Isabel, I am the director of the Shakespeare's Globe Exhibition. I am a respectable person. I have a degree in history. I have respectable parents. My mother is a doctor and my father is an English teacher. I'm normal and nice. I have a grandmother who cooks in butter. I know people who can vouch for my character. You are a research student at Seville University. Your father is a university lecturer. Mr. Fanshawe can also vouch for you. You're nice too. People like us don't go around destroying Shakespeare monuments or shooting security guards in the leg. Surely the police will believe us? After all, we're not really Bonnie and Clyde in the Wild West, are we? We're in England. Isabel clapped her hands slowly, trying to hide her smile. Then she said with melodrama, This blessed plot, this earth, this realm, this England. Henry V, 
said Philip. Richard II, actually, Isabel corrected. But you're right, Philip. The police probably will believe us, eventually. But we don't have any evidence against this Jane woman. They may let us go, but that awful woman will get away too. She's dangerous. She should be arrested. Philip sat back down next to Isabel. You have a plan, don't you? Isabel nodded and leant forwards. We must go to this meeting between that Jane woman and the master, or whoever he is or she is. They're going to Shakespeare's birthplace. There must be a security guard there too. She's got a gun, Philip. The master said she had to take it and give it to him. If we tell the security guard she has a gun in her handbag, he'll have to check. One good thing about England is, if you have a gun, you're under suspicion. She'll be arrested and questioned. Then we can say who she is and what she did. The police can then match the gun to the bullets used in the church and ole ole, they'll put her in the slapper and throw away the key. What do you think about that, Mr. Director? Isabel put her fists on her hips and looked at Philip triumphantly. Philip laughed. The slammer, Isabel, not the slapper. Anyway, it sounds like a good plan. But does that mean I have to be a hero again? Last time was different. It just happened. But if I have to plan this thing, I'm getting cold feet already. Don't worry, Mr. Director, joked Isabel. You just keep your feet warm with a nice mug of hot chocolate in the dirty dog, and I'll be the hero this time. No way, said Philip indignantly. I'm going with you. I want to make my grandmother proud of me. There was a pause, and Philip looked at Isabel tenderly. He had only known her for twenty-four hours, but somehow it seemed so much longer. She really was a complicated but fascinating person. You know, he said, sometimes you're really serious and distant, and then other times you're really funny and congenial. You make me laugh. I mean, in a nice way. You know. As usual, Isabel took refuge in Shakespeare quotes. She smiled. I am not merry, but I do beguile the thing I am by seeming otherwise. Ophelia in Hamlet, suggested Philip. Desdemona in Othello, corrected Isabel. Philip shook his head. I never get them right, do I? And that's the end of chapter 12. Until next Friday, goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.